Hello and welcome to my podcast, Special Education Information. My name is Joy and my companion today is my African Grey, Sterling. He seems to be taking a nap so he may not contribute very much to our podcast today. Today I want to talk about something that's been really bothering me for the last several days. My mother-in-law has been in a care rehab home. And the care rehab home also has residential individuals there. And there's this one residential young man, maybe in his mid-20s. I'm going to call him Daniel because he reminds me of a former student that I had whose name was Daniel. And here's what I saw with Daniel. Daniel was sitting in the hallway by himself, facing nowhere. And at first when I went by him, he seemed to be an individual who did not have much interest in the world around him. But then the second time he smiled at me and he lifted his hand and waved. So I waved back and I thought, that's interesting. He's aware of his environment and he's interacting with it. And so the next time I went by him sitting in the hallway by himself, I waved at him and he lifted his hand, smiled at me and he waved at me. And over the next several days that I saw him out there, I always took the time to wave at him and smile. And it started to bother me after a while when I started really chewing on it and started thinking a lot about my former student, Daniel, who was similar in needs. He was multiply disabled, nonverbal, and had control of one hand. And when I worked with Daniel, my Daniel student, We worked really hard and we came up with a switch that would activate a radio, which Daniel liked music. And so that was very motivating for him. And we found that he was able to move his hand a certain way that allowed him to activate that switch. Well, once he caught the hang of activating that switch, we were then able to set up a kind of yes, no system for him that allowed him to control things like, would you like chocolate milk? Would you like white milk? Would you like to have peas? Would you like to have a hot dog? Things that he had immediate control of in his environment. And that allowed him more ways of smiling and interacting with his aide, with myself, with his teacher. And I always think about him when I run into situations like this where an individual has the ability to move a part of their body independently and therefore has the potential to interact with a communication board or communication button, something along those lines. And I'll be honest, I really never thought much about what happens to our students that are like that, that are multiply disabled and nonverbal, bound in a wheelchair and not able to get around very much after they turn 22 and they go beyond the school system and they move into another world. Maybe they go into these rehab homes like this and they're put into hallways and they're left alone and they have no kind of stimulation whatsoever. No music, no talking, TV, nothing. And it really hurt my heart. And every time I've gone by Daniel in this hallway at this rehab home and see him just sitting there, my heart kind of breaks every time. 
and I don't know what the answer to it is. How long did his teachers, when he was in special education inside the school system, work with him on developing a communication system? And how long has it been that he has gone without that communication system, without the ability to control whether or not he wanted jello or pudding? Or did he want chicken or steak? How long until he had that ability just to say hello using a button switch? How long for this individual to have gone? How many hours have we spent with our students in developing these systems only for them to be taken away from them as soon as they reach 22 and are moved out of their homes and into these places? It hurts really thinking about it. It really does, because some of these kids, we don't know really what their full potential could be. I mean, think about what if there is another Carl Sagan in that individual, or an Einstein, or any number of individuals that could be inside that mind that we're just not able to pull out because they're trapped inside that body. What if it was you and you had no way to reach out to the world and interact with those you love around you or just to say, no, I really truly hate strawberry jello. I so hate strawberry jello that I'm spitting it back up on you because you're not paying attention to what I am trying to tell you about this strawberry jello. And you think I'm being bad and you're trying to punish me because I'm spitting it up and not eating it. And you're going to keep trying to cram that stuff down my throat, even though I hate it. What would that be like if you were that person? I hate to say it, but this is not an attitude that you see just within the older age range of these kids. I remember as a practicum student one time, I was observing this classroom and the kids in there were multiply disabled, somewhat severe. And I ended up getting to like this one student and her and me. And the teacher said, don't bother. She can't communicate anyway. She has no idea what she wants. I discovered before long that that wasn't true. I would come into the room and this student would come up to me grab my hand, put it on her back, and kind of move around like she was asking me to scratch her back. And when I did, she smiled. And if I stopped and I would pat her back like I'm all done, and I walked away, she would follow me. And if I sat down somewhere or next to another student, she would grab my hand and she would put it on her back. And if that's not communicating, then I don't know what is. And why that student who was able to walk and get around that way, she just couldn't talk, was not given some form of communication board, I don't know. And I was a new practicum student, so I wasn't sure what to say or how to say, why aren't you as the teacher or you as the speech and language therapist giving this student the ability to communicate with her world, even if it was just a button that said, please give me a back scratch. If she started learning how to push a button to say that, how much longer would it take her to say, I do like strawberry jello, please give me some more. I don't think it would take her too long. And it makes me sad thinking about these things.
But it makes me sad thinking that that kid is going to go on into a future where a teacher's going to tell her rehab counselor or her folk counselor, well, she can't communicate anyway, so there's really not much she can do. And really, that child had stuff that she probably can do. And I think that that's really sad that the school system itself is failing this kid. So if the school system's failing the kid, what's going to happen to her? What happens to our kids after they turn 22? So back to Daniel, what's going to happen to that kid, that young man? And what would his special ed team say if they, for some reason, happened to wander into that building and happened to see him sitting in the hallway, staring down the hallway at just about nothing, except for maybe a nurse going here or there, what would they say about that? What do we do? And that's the question. What can we do as educators to prepare the students to have a fulfilling life after they turn 22? Is there anything we can do? And if there is, what is it? And how do we learn it? And how do we do it? And who's going to teach us? Our plates are already so full. So should we? There's so many questions to be answered about this. Who is ultimately responsible for making sure that these kids aren't left sitting in the hallway, staring down the hallway with nothing to do? but wave at strangers.